Isn't it wonderful to be able to gather and praise our Lord together and to feel his presence amongst us? We've been doing a series on the book of Ephesians and we've been looking at chapter 5 which is all about day-to-day relationships, about our roles as mothers and fathers and husbands and wives, about obedient children and how to be a good employee. We're moving on to chapter 6 and those of you that know this book know that Ephesians chapter 6 is all about spiritual warfare. It's about wearing the armour of God. And as we approach this chapter, the mood of Paul's writing changes. Paul makes it clear that we are all involved in a deadly spiritual battle. Let's read from Ephesians 6 verses 10 to 14. It says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Every believer and follower of Jesus Christ is involved in a spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. You may think that an occasional glance at your Bible or a hurried prayer or a few worship songs is all that you need to fend off the enemy. We see pictures of the devil as a little demon with horns and a forked tail. And little images like that cause us to underestimate him and to treat him as a joke. But, and there are those people that just take on the devil as though he's the, the na- neighborhood bully. You know, I'm going to stick it to him. I'm going to throw him a few punches. But the Bible likens the devil to a roaring lion, to a dragon, a snake, and a crocodile. A British nurse in Africa got um, grabbed by the arm by a crocodile. And the crocodile was wanting to pull her deeper into the water. But some African men grabbed her other arm and they formed a chain back to the shore. And they waited until that crocodile wanted to take a bigger bite, a bigger grip, a better grip. And at that moment they pulled her out of the crocodile's mouth. And she was able to escape. You can see tubes, uh, you can see clips on YouTube of crocodiles. And um, one of the, the most dramatic scenes is where you get the wildebeest on their migration and they've got to cross this river that's full of crocodiles. And they're, they're really thirsty. They've been going through a very dry area and they've had to leave that dry area to move to a place where there's water and fresh pasture. And there's one particular clip where here's a wildebeest 
lapping away at the water and a crocodile comes out of the water and grabs it by the nose and it pulls it back into the water and then it does one of its crocodile rolls and breaks the neck of it, flips it upside down and drowns it. And here is someone, some animal just taking a drink to say, stay alive. And so we also are involved in a spiritual battle and we need to be prepared and we can't underestimate our enemy. And at all times we have to be alert and aware. Derek Prince translates verse 12 in this way. He says, For the wrestling match is not against persons with bodies, but against rulers with various areas of authority, against the world dominators of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenlies. So we're not actually fighting against people. We're fighting against demonic forces, spiritual forces of wickedness that have influence through people and through events in the world. In Matthew 28 verse 18, Jesus said to his disciples, I have been given all authority on heaven and earth. And that's the beauty. Jesus is in control. Jesus has dominion over the forces of evil. And so if you feel that you are being pulled into an area of danger, we are able to depend on our spiritual armor and to stand on the authority that we have in Jesus Christ. But then, as well as underestimating the devil, there can be a danger of overestimating him. Even though he's powerful, he is not all-powerful. Even though he's cunning, he's not all-knowing. He is no match to Jesus Christ. And in the name of Jesus, demonic forces have got to flee if you know the authority that you have in Jesus' name. But he wants us to think that he is all-powerful. And so he tries to fool us into believing that way and not having the faith that we can have in Jesus Christ. When Julius Caesar and his men invaded Britain, the first thing that they did on arriving on the shores of Britain was to burn their boats. Then they had no choice but to go on and to conquer England. There was no turning back for them. And as part of God's army, we're to stand our ground. For God's kingdom is not to retreat. So I want to tell you four helpful things that we can learn from these first four verses today. In verse 11, this is the first point, it says, We're to put on. All right, The emphasis here is to put on the full armor of God so that we are able to stand firm. There's the story of Achilles, and his mother bathed him in a pool that sort of covered him with this layer that gave him protection. But then one day he was shot in an, by an arrow in his heel. That was the place where his mother was holding his foot, and that was the one area of his body that wasn't protected by this invisible armor and he died 
And so we are told to put on this armour. And this armour will protect us and enable us to stand firm. But this is a continuous instruction. We're to keep asking ourselves, have I got my armour on? How many of you would walk out of your house onto the street without any clothes on? You don't have to answer, okay? <laughs> if arrested, you could hardly turn around to the, that uh, cop uh, policeman and say, well, I, I got dressed yesterday and I didn't see the need to get dressed again today. At the same time, how many of us would walk out of our house without our spiritual clothing on? And so the question is not, have I ever put some spiritual armour on? But it is, do I have my armour on right now? Don't wait until you're a casualty. Take precautions now. Be prepared. Secondly, it's the full armour of God. The absence of one piece leaves us vulnerable. Remember, you know, the All Blacks had won two consecutive World Cups. They'd won 18 consecutive games in a row, a, a world record. And they were on their way to Europe and they stopped off in the USA to play Ireland, a team that had never beaten them before. And they lost. And it is so easy to become proud and think you're indestructible. And it's at those times that you are most vulnerable because God humbles the proud. And when we do things in our own strength, rather than focusing on the Lord, we are weak and we are vulnerable. Thirdly, it's the armour of God that we're called to wear. Now, years ago, there was a New Zealand cricketer called Ken Rutherford. And they started introducing helmets to the game of cricket. And Ken Rutherford refused to wear a helmet. He said, look, my reactions are so good, I'll just duck under it. Until he got hit by a ball in the head at over 140 kilometres per hour. He started wearing a helmet after that. And so we have armour supplied. God's given us a helmet. It's, God's, it's supplied by God. All that we have to do is to put it on. And fourthly, it's inevitable that we will need this armour. And this armour represents our attitudes and our actions in life. Verse 13 says, when the time of evil comes, it doesn't say if the time of evil comes, the time of evil will come. So be ready for it. So I want to look at some of the specific armour that we're to read this morning. And we're actually going to do three sermons on um, the spiritual armour. And we'll look at three of uh, the, the types of armour that are available to us today. And the very first is the belt of truth. In verse 14 it says, Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. Now in Paul's day, belts were important 
to hold everything together. People would wear loose garments because of the heat in um, Bible lands, and they would have a belt around their waist, but if they had to go somewhere quickly, if they had to run, then they would gird up their loins. They would tuck their garment into their belt so that they could run without tripping over it. If you didn't do that, the chances of you falling over were quite high. Also, that belt had the breastplate that protected the heart attached to it, and also there was a sheath in which your sword was kept. So really, that belt of truth was the foundation of your whole armor. And... Um, so it's called the belt of truth. And so if we are truthful, if we are honest and integral, then that will have a gathering and stabilizing role in our lives. If we don't tuck those loose things up out of the way, then they'll trip us up. When I was walking to church this morning, I went past this house and the yard was absolutely full of rubbish long grass, you couldn't walk through that yard without tripping over something. Made me want to go home and mow my lawns. <laughs> and it's the same in life. Don't have cluttered lives. Get rid of the clutter. That stuff that you're likely to stumble over, that is likely to trip you up. Jesus said in John 8 verse 32, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And so God's basic truth is that he made the world. He loves you, he loves me. We mucked up. We went our way rather than God's way. And so God sent Jesus to live on earth and to die and take our punishment for our sin. Because of what Jesus did on the cross, it is now possible for us to live in a relationship with the God of the universe. One day, Jesus will return for all those who love him and serve him, and we will live with him in heaven forever and ever. That's the foundation, the basics of biblical truth. But truth involves openness and sincerity in all of our personal relationships. Are you honest and integral? 1 Peter 2 verse 1 says, Get rid of all malicious behavior and deceit. Don't just pretend to be good. Be done with hypocrisy and jealousy and backstabbing. Don't get involved in any of that stuff. It will trip you up ultimately. And then there's a verse in Numbers 32 verse 23 that says, Be sure that your sin will find you out. Now we've had this whole thing happening in the US where Brett Kavanaugh wanted to be elected to the Supreme Court in the USA. And they're dredging up things that happened when he was a teenager. And, you know, if you're in Christian ministry, if you do something that's not appropriate, it can cost you your ministry. You, don't, you have to be very careful all the time about what you do and what you say. Because when you become a Christian, you become a target. 
Sure, you may make a lot of friends in the church that you go to, but there will, people, there will be people out there that will strongly dislike you because you're a Christian. And so you've got a target on your back. And if you step out of line, someone will notice. If you deliberately do something wrong, it will catch up on you one day and it could very well disqualify you in ministry. One good thing is that when we repent and honestly ask for, for forgiveness from God, he will forgive us and he will separate our sin as far as the east is from the west. But at the same time, if you're not trustworthy and you're a leader in, in the church, then people will say he's been unfaithful on one occasion. How do we know he's not going to do the same thing again? So lies and deceit will trip us up. They will ruin our witness. How can you trust a person who is a liar? We're to be open and honest in our relationship with God and in our relationships with other people. Psalm 51 verse 6, but you desire truth in the inner parts. You teach me wisdom in the inmost place. And so God, he wants to lead us in our lives. He wants to speak his wisdom in our lives. But if we're cluttered up with lies and deceit, then God's not able to get through to us. God hates hypocrisy. He desires consistency between our words, our actions, and our lifestyle. You know, sometimes we encounter people who claim to know the truth about Jesus, but they're dishonest and self-centered. They're angry and frustrated. And people look at them and say, if that's what being a Christian means, then I don't want to have anything to do with it. We can't win a spiritual battle if we're lying to ourselves, if we're deceiving others and running from the conviction of the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Without truth, the belt is missing and everything falls apart. Psalm 25 verse 10, All the paths of the Lord are loving kindness and truth to those who keep his covenant and his testimonies. Be kind and truthful in all things. Jesus said in John 6 verse 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus' words are truth. Jesus knows the answers to the mysteries of life. Without Jesus, things don't really make sense. Knowing these truths enables us to understand what we believe and what we really stand for in life. Throughout life, I've met people who have been wonderfully transformed by their relationship with Jesus Christ. Someone reminded me the other day of Nikki Cruz, who was a gang member in New York and was radically cons uh, converted under the ministry of David Wilkerson. And he became an evangelist. And he went around the world telling people how he'd been involved in gangs that had killed people. He'd done terrible, wicked things, but Jesus had come into his life and had totally transformed him. The second piece of armor is the breastplate of righteousness. Verse 14 says, With the breastplate of righteousness in place, 
Now, the breastplate protects all your vital organs, in particular, the heart. Proverbs 4 verse 23 warns us. It says, above all, guard your heart, for it affects everything that you do. People live with a guilty conscience from doing what they know is wrong. They live in fear of being found out. And that affects their physical and emotional health. Negative thoughts and feelings enable Satan to penetrate our defenses. Mark Twain said, nobody is free who is unforgiven. Don't harbor unforgiveness. Get back into relationship with people, and that will protect your heart. Acts 24.16 tells us to strive to have a conscience without offense to both God and to men. So the breastplate was made of bronze, and it, was cover, it covered the neck all the way down uh, to the thigh. We're protected by Christ's righteousness because of what Jesus did on the cross for us. But we can't beat Satan through our own goodness and strength. It's totally inadequate. Unless we go forward protected by the armor of what Christ has done for us, we will not stand. And putting on that breastplate requires humility. It involves saying, I can't make it on my own. Please help me, Jesus. Our need for Jesus' help is not just once in a while when we're in a difficult situation. But when we're most confident, as I've said, is when we're often the most vulnerable. Years ago when I was a high school teacher, there was a guy in, um, in my school who um, one day he came up to me and he said, oh, can, can I play you in squash? Now, I used to think I was a reasonably good squash player. And, um, and, and this guy was older than me and he, he had a limp from polio and I thought, oh, what does he want to play me for? Um, you know, I I'd, I'd want to have a decent game, you know. And I went out there and this guy was very good. He had a really tight serve into the corner and he beat me. He, he would just put the ball on the spot and he'd be standing on the tee and and he'd put it away. And we ended up playing for years after that, and after a while I was able to beat him. But um, I, it was a real wake-up call that day that I had totally uh, underestimated this guy. And, um, and that's the danger, uh, because we often overestimate. And as I said before, pride comes before a fall, and it's wrong to underestimate our opponent. If we trust in our own righteousness as we enter into spiritual warfare, it can be just like that. Instead of going into battle protected by the righteousness of Jesus, we're going in in our own strength. The third item is the sandals of peace. In verse 15 it says, And with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Now in those days they would wear Roman sandals because uh, it was very hot and sweaty. And they were made of leather, but they had studs in the soles that provided a really good grip. And that would anchor their feet if they were fighting with a sword or hand-to-hand -hand fighting. And they were really good for long marches. And sometimes they had to loop round to 
circle the enemy or get to a place at a certain time and they were robust and strong and they permitted the soldiers to move quickly through rough terrain. Imagine trying to engage in battle if you had badly blistered feet. And so we're to reach out to others with the gospel of peace. And to do that, we need to have a firm foundation. And our foundation is a deep understanding of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done for us. We can't reach other people unless we've experienced that peace of God ourselves. And so our shoes represent the peace that comes from the good news of Jesus Christ. In Psalm 52 verse 7 it says, How beautiful on the mountain are the feet of the messenger who brings good news. The good news of peace and salvation. The news that God reigns. It's incredible the way the gospel has gone around the world and gone into pagan countries where there's been witch doctors and all sorts of evil, and it's brought transformation and change. It's brought peace to the troubled lives in those places. The Jewish word for peace is shalom, and that means wholeness of life. And Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, I have come that you may have life, life in all its fullness. And so fullness of life involves right relationships with your family, with your friends, and with God. You know, after Adam and Eve sinned against God, they no longer had easy access to God. And our relationship with God is restored because of what Jesus did for us on the cross. When we experience the peace that Jesus brings, we want to share that peace with other people. And so preparation involves being able to present the gospel truth in a way that people can simply and clearly understand. We're not to be a salesman that doesn't believe in our product. Have you ever had someone try to sell something to you and you think, oh, that's his job, he doesn't really believe in that thing? When we share the gospel, we've got to really believe the gospel and we've got to be able to put it in a way that's logical and makes sense. If when you're sharing the gospel with someone, if you think, oh, that sounds like a fairy story, it probably does. And you need to rethink the way you tell the gospel and think more about how Jesus has changed your life. So we're to remain peaceful even in the middle of a battle. Hebrews 12 verse 14 says, try to live at peace with everyone. And so Satan will try to get us angry and flustered. And don't stoop to the level of those people that are coming against you. Sometimes we respond in the same spirit. Someone gets angry with us and so we respond with anger. Respond in the opposite spirit. Keep your peace no matter what is coming your way. We can only effectively communicate the gospel of peace, if we carry God's peace in our hearts. And that's a peace that is not dependent on our external circumstances. As we found out in that song, when peace like a river, no matter what, his whole family wiped out, he still had his faith in God. He still trusted in God. The peace of God filled 
has had. Well, we'll look at some more of these um, items of armor next week. But just to summarize here, Paul is saying, put on Jesus Christ. He is the truth. He is our righteousness. He is our peace. If we put on Jesus, we are more than a match for Satan. A weak soldier is of no use. A soldier without his armor is of no use. A soldier who falls asleep is useless. You know, if you've been to Scotland and you've gone to Edinburgh Castle, it's one of the most beautiful castles in the world, but it's on a very poor, on a steep sort of cliff and it's a natural, natural um, vantage point and citadel. But that castle has been defeated and overthrown on two different occasions, both times when the sentry on duty had fallen asleep. So be alert, wear your armour, watch out and put your trust in Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, we are reminded this morning that we are involved in a spiritual battle. We thank you that because of Jesus, we have armour that we can wear that will protect us. Lord, help us to recognize the importance of staying in that zone of peace, of holding to the truth and of living righteous lives. Lord, as we put this armor on and we allow you to lead us and guide us, we can stand, we can defeat the enemy, we can be overcomers in this life. Thank you for that, in Jesus' name. Amen.